Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Welcome to season five. Cinco. Wow. I what? really I really tried hard to remember what five was in French for a second. I could not. <laughs> how was how is everyone doing? We're at season oh. five. This is crazy. Season five, it is October 2021. It feels like March. 2020 was three days ago yeah totally what is time (laughs) what is time nobody knows um we're so happy to be back and have we (sighs) got an absolute fantastic first guest for y'all donna kraus donna kraus what an interesting life she has lived also, I feel like yeah. she's lived many lives. Um, she's absolutely fabulous. We're going to give you all a heads up. Um, we haven't oh, recorded yeah. in person in uh, almost 11 months. And it was our first in-person interview. So yeah. technically, we have a couple soundings that we need to address right away. We. So because we were using a camera and lab mic, the beginning of the episode, only the first five minutes. So get through the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Hit plus 30 as much as you want, I guess. <laughs> The first five minutes of audio um, is coming out of the camera and not out of our mics because we had a technical difficulty, but you get through the first five minutes and the rest sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like our camera, like our mics are working. So yes, I apologize for that. Yeah. But it's only five minutes. It'll be fine. Right. Live. If you are um, new to Gal Pals, if you don't know what we do, go back, listen to some episodes. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. Things yeah. are going to get real weird up in here. We get vulnerable. We get um giggly we get silly um we hope you'll join us for this season we're so excited we got some amazing guests lined up we feel like every season it just like we up the ante on guests on who we have and we're starting off with an absolute bang here so if you haven't already go to our patreon you get video footage of um the interview we have it on camera we're experimenting with some new things you get tons of extra footage tons of extra blooper reels um all types of little things and it really just helps support the podcast i'm assuming that you're just listening to this in your favorite podcast player um so if you head to our patreon we get video content for as little as one dollar a month that goes directly back into the podcast not into our pockets exactly um so thank you all for listening we're so excited to take this uh year on with you season five um season five so let's get started woohoo <laughs> my dance past has like hugely informed my adult life. <laughs> well, like dancing is expensive, especially when you're at a certain level and you're a kid and your parents are paying for it. My mom like made me know, like quite aware of it, like how expensive it was. Yeah. Oh, you want to do solos and extra classes and you want to do jazz and hip hop and ballet and lyrical and contemporary and a solo in each. And the shoes and the clothing and, 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 yeah. and, and. Yeah, it got to the point where my mom was like, you have to pay for your own solos if you want six of them. Yeah. <laughs> How did you start dancing? I started dancing when I was like, are we recording? Are yeah. we starting? Oh, we are. Um, I started dancing when I was like four years old. Mm-hmm. I apparently, according to my mom and dad, <laughs> saw ballet on television. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because I have a memory of just that, of that television and seeing it was a performance of Giselle, which I know now remembering uh and i had said to my parents that's what i want to do that's what i want to be and was apparently pestering them and then finally <laughs> when i turned the ripe old age of four they found a ballet school that would take me um and so yeah i started dancing in toronto or where? in montreal. montreal i was born and raised in montreal okay 
Um, and so, yeah, I started dancing when I was four, took ballet classes, and then just kept on and on and on. And then as I got older, the school where I was taking classes was shutting down. They had said to my mom and dad, she has enough talent to send her to Les Comedies Canadiens. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So they did. So they audition I auditioned there, and it was like, I was alone in this studio auditioning to see where they would place me. So I had my little number, just me alone at the bar. Just you? Just me. Yeah. How old were you? I was probably, I'd say, six or seven. Oh my god. Yeah. How intimidating. It was. But you know what? I guess you, I didn't really know. And when you're seven, you just are just... You know, it was kind of yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go do a ballet class here. I'm going to go do a bar. And so they placed me and did the academy. And then um, when I got to the high school uh, level, went to... In Montreal, there's a similar to the National Ballet of Canada's school. Mm -hmm. There's one in Montreal yeah. where you do your... You'll have like math, history ballet point, <laughs> yeah. uh, geography, you know, whatever, yeah. in your day, your dance classes mm -hmm. were in your schedule. So I did that and did college that as well and then joined the company like right out. As soon as I graduated, I got into the company. Wow. Yeah, as an apprentice and then they made me, then I became a full member and danced with the company for yeah. like 10 years. Did you live in the residences there? No, because I, I was... I Winnipeg. Did you? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful studios now. Like back then, like in my day, like yeah. back in my day, it was like, you know, ratty old studios yeah. and, you know, ceilings were low and whatever. <laughs> and then when we moved into the fancy new building, it was kind of like, <sighs> you know. And nowadays, like the National Ballet Studios and Royal Winnipeg Studios are just like, I remember going there on tour with the company and we do class at the, and rehearsals there. Yeah. And I remember walking in there thinking, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you feel like you had, like, when you're looking back at those memories now, do you find that they're, like, good memories? Or, sorry, you did live in the residences? Or I didn't did live in the residences because I lived in Montreal, so I, right. was, I didn't need to live in the residences. Right. No, I kind of wanted to because a lot of my friends were staying in different residences, mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to do that. You know? <laughs> um, but I didn't. I lived at home, and, uh, and it was funny, too, because I'm Italian, and it would be like, you know, my mom and dad would cook Italian food, and I'd be like, this shelf in the fridge is mine with my whole grain bread and my, you know, healthy yes. things, you know, like I had my designated space because I would, you know, would try to eat healthy or not eat at all or right. know, whatever. Smoke cigarettes, cigarettes yeah, whatever you know. <laughs> my dad would come home with like, you know, chocolate or whatever and be like, Dad, I gotta wear a tutu, you know, but yeah, yeah, my yeah. parents were, you know, they were concerned about me. I was growing up and depriving myself of, you know, a social life of, mm -hmm. you know, eating pizza and beer on a Friday night, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, no, I would come home and sew my point shoes and wash my tights and do my homework and I was just like total little, because I was absolutely driven, it was like, I had to be a ballerina, there was nothing standing in my way. Did you think that you wanted, do you feel, because you started so young, like yeah. when you were seven, do you feel I was like, four. Oh, you were four, yeah, but when you were at the going to the, yeah. like, did you feel like, because you never really got to make that decision, I mean, you did, but you're six or seven, you're kind of in this age of like, you were kind of doing whatever someone, you're good at this. Oh, we're gonna put this. We're gonna. Someone offers you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever make the decision, or that you were just like, yeah, I love this. this is what I want to do, or did you find that you were just like caught in this whirlwind of like? There was no question. It's what I wanted to. Do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely no question. And my mom and dad, when I first started dancing, my mom and dad were more into figure skating. They weren't really ballet domains mm -hmm. and didn't really ballet wasn't really their thing. Um, and of course, I'm sure at the beginning it was like, yeah, we'll put her in ballet class. Because every little girl wants to like. Be a ballerina. Yeah, everybody wants to be a ballerina. And it's like, as the years 
progressed. It was like, no, I'm not giving this up. This is what I want to yeah. do, you know. And then when I turned pro, uh, my grandparents were still alive, and one of my grandmothers was like, so what are you going to do for a living? I was like, well, this. I'm a ballerina. And she'd be like, no, 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 but like your real job. You know, and it was like, and you know, she came from Italy. It was very different. You know, I was, I've always been the black sheep of the family, and so it was like, no, no, this is my real job. Like, right, I'm right. actually getting a paycheck to do this. You know, right. So it was kind of like a weird thing, but you know, right. I had support. I want to just go back for a second. Yeah. You said your parents were worried about you. How yeah. did they? Did they? How did they show that or vocalize it? By putting lasagna on the table. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they were, con- you know, they were concerned, but they were also very incredibly supportive because mm-hmm. they saw how driven I was and they saw that it's what I absolutely wanted to do. There was like, no, there was never, sure, I had moments of, oh my God, this is so hard and do I really want to do this and whatever, but I was, you know, those were fleeting moments. Right. Um, I was so bound and determined to become a ballerina that nothing was going to stand in my way. Right. And so, and my mom and dad were very, you know, they'd never said, no, you can't. Yeah. You know, they never kept, and, you know, and it's, an ex- as you said, you know, it's an expensive little hobby. To, Especially going to those schools. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those schools are. And those kids that are boarding. Is like, yeah. well, when you're in, I guess when you're in, yeah, when you do it, you do get like scholarships. Like there's like so many backers that are just like backing the kids that are in that school. I did a ton of my schooling on scholarship. Like yeah. I got scholarships. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you know, when you get into doing point work and stuff, you know, it's, well back then it was what, $75 a pair. Now it's what, a hundred dollars a pair or something oh, like that. Mm-hmm. And when you're going through a pair a week and especially at the level that I was at, like mm-hmm. as you get into the higher levels and you're just get, going through shoes. like Yeah. That. You're yeah. just, you know, sometimes you'll go through two, three pairs a day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the National Ballet has a similar program here, but with the Grand Ballet Canadien, you could go into the company's shoe room and, and whatever rejects they had, we got them at a huge discount, right? Yeah. And so we could go buy our shoes there for half the price that yeah. you'd get them in a store. And so that was a thing. And then you'd like see which shoes you'd get, like which ballerina in the company's shoes, because it's written underneath, right? So it's like, <laughs> I'm wearing so-and-so's shoes, you know, and yeah. Yeah, all that stuff, yeah. Right. So how long were you ballerina for? Professionally, 10 years. Right. Um, in the company, like I danced with Ligue Ballet Canadien, and then I also did one season with Ballet BC and one season with the Alberta Ballet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, so I, I stayed with Ligue Then I went and did a season with Alberta Ballet, came back to Ligue got injured, mm-hmm. uh, got back from my injury, and then left to go to Ballet BC to dance with Ballet BC for a year and re-injured myself the second time, and that was like the career-ending sort of moment. At that point, was it, were they, if you got injured as a ballerina, would they pay? Because you wouldn't perform. You, they weren't paying you. If you got injured, you were just off the, off the show for the however long it was. And in fact, back then, and this is awful when I think about it, with Ballet BC being a smaller company than Les Grands, right. um, the general manager terminated my contract as soon as he heard, he didn't even speak to me. He had heard that I had gotten hurt, didn't know how badly hurt I was. Uh, terminated my contract, so I didn't have access to any insurance or anything. So oh my God. I suddenly was without a job, without it, like away from home. I was living right. in Vancouver. 
without insurance. So I couldn't do physio. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I took myself to the hospital on the bus because I knew it was, I knew it was bad. Well, what was, what did you injure, by the way? My back. I herniated a disc in my back. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah, I spent like six months in a back brace. Like it was a devastating injury. And I rode the bus to the hospital in BC and I couldn't sit. So I was like up against the wall of the bus and every bump. And I was like, okay, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And you know, dancers have like a really high pain threshold, but this was like, and then got to the hospital and the doctor who saw me um, came in and I can't remember what he was saying, it's kind of a blur. And then I said to him, I was like, well, will I dance again? And he said to me, dance again. He was like, you'll be lucky if you can walk again. Oh my God. And I was just like, in my head, I was like, do you not realize what you just said to me? Like, my mm-hmm. life just ended right now. Mm-hmm. Like, in that moment, it was like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And the, the first time I injured myself, I had this, like, huge premiere two weeks later, and we had an, a lovely orthopedic surgeon who took care of the company. And I said to him, I was like, they put men on the moon. You can, you've got to put me on stage. Like, you've got to <laughs> yes. figure out a way. Like, inject <laughs> me, do something. Like, I yeah. have got to be on stage in two weeks. Like, I have to. Yeah. And he was like, well, we can try that. And he said, the curtain's going to go up and you're going to dance for about three minutes and you're going to collapse to the ground because you'll have no more feeling in your legs and you won't be able to move. Oh, so God. He goes, you either take this time off now right. or the damage will be know, for the rest of your life. Right, yeah. Of course, you know, part of it was him trying to scare me because he knew full well that I was... You were going to do it anyway. I was absolutely yeah. going to do it. There was <laughs> and if no you question. even give you, if you give, if he was to give you like a... Yeah. And you would have been like, yeah. cool, I'm performing. Where's my tutu? Yeah. Can you give me the cortisone now? Totally. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And it was like the, the, the when yeah. I injured myself the first time, the, the sort of big one, um, and ironically, it was on tour. We were in Vancouver and it was our last show there and it was a mixed program. So it was three ballets. Right. And I was dancing the lead in two of the three ballets yeah. and injured myself in the first ballet. Like I landed from this jump. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that didn't feel good at yeah. all. But I kept going. Adrenaline. I still remember the choreography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kept going. And then every time I had an exit, I'd like lay down in the wings and be like, wow, something's like really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap. You know? And then I'd be like, I'd hear, like, okay, I've got to get up and go do this thing. And, yeah. and um, by the third ballet, I was like, you know, I had time to sort of like in the intermissions, you cool down a little bit. It'd be like... Things become tense. Yeah. yeah. And so by the third ballet, I was like, wow, man, this is really, really painful. And then skipped. We had a reception that night. I skipped the reception, went to the hotel, got in a hot bath and was like... We were traveling home the next day. I woke up the next morning, could barely move, couldn't bend to turn the taps on in the bath. No. And had asked my roommate, who was this lovely, beautiful, incredible principal dancer in the company, Andrea Boardman. She was just, and I was like, can you turn the taps on? Because I can't, like, I can't bend. And, you know, as a dancer, you're always hurting. So it's not unusual to ask your roommate to turn the taps on. Because it's like, it's an occupational hazard. You're always in pain. Yeah. (laughs) And so she did that. And it was like, I had this, like, magnetic belt on my back. Because I didn't realize how severely injured I was. Yeah. And wore this belt thing with magnets on it thinking that it would realign everything on the plane and I was just like and then we had two weeks in Montreal of rehearsals before um opening our season there and I would be in the dressing room and I'd wait till everybody left because I couldn't I couldn't like to put my leotard and tights on was like 
you know, it was like so painful. And then I'd be at the bar and I, our artistic director used to give class. And so I'd be at the bar and be like, I'm just going to like take it easy. Like the flight, I'm a little stiff from the flight. Never saying how much yeah. pain I was in. Because, you know, there's like 500 girls that want your job, right? Yeah. yeah. So never said anything and would go to physio. And the physiotherapist had, would put me in traction. And it was 20 minutes and they give you a panic button. Yeah. And she had like closed the curtains one day. She closed the curtains and she was like, I'll be back in 20. And I just was sobbing. I was like, I can't, like, I can't oh. continue to lie about this. This yeah. is like, how am I going to get through this? I was in such also, pain. like you'd be exhausted. Your body's probably exhausted from just like being in pain and you just continuing. Yeah. And you were mentally exhausted from keeping the secret. Totally. You know? Totally. And she came five minutes later and opened the curtains and found me sobbing. And she was like, I knew it. I knew you were lying about how much pain you were in. I knew you weren't, you know, oh, whatever. God. And she was like, we need to like do some tests. You need to get an MRI. You need yeah. to blah, 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 blah. And then it started the whole, you know, doing yeah. that whole, going through the whole, you know, couldn't perform, had to like say, oh. I can't, you know, whatever. Was yeah, that was... the start of your goodbye? Yes and no, because I okay. was refusing to accept yeah. that I was injured. Mm -hmm. And so took like three months off, rehabilitated, came back to the company. And then the following season, I was going to go to Bally, B.C., to dance the season with them, excuse me, I re-injured it while I was in rehearsal at Bali BC, mm. literally just looking back at my partner like this. And I was like, the oh. smallest movement. And like, I knew as I was looking back at him, I was like, it's over. I knew it was over. I knew my career uh, was over in that moment uh, and didn't want to admit it. And, and, you know, did the whole thing, went, took the bus, go to the hospital, be told I'll never walk in. Then I had to like, I got cut off from the company, <laughs> cut my insurance. I had to like pack up my apartment to come back to Montreal. Not being able to like not move being able to move. Anything. And I had a futon yeah. back then, so it's like <laughs> we all know what futons are like. And I was like literally like, oh, I gotta get move. And it was like this is the worst <laughs> moment of my life, truly. And yeah. I had these like tie things to like tie this futon up, and it was just like when I think back on it and so and sad. think about like what I uh, had to endure, like, by myself. Were you in your late 20s, early 30s at this point? I was 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then came home and... Also, like, let's just talk about how you weren't, like, in the chorus. Like, no. you were, like, a soloist. A soloist yeah. <laughs> like, if they're treating their soloists like this, like, how do you think every other, like, person who's, like... Literally just like da, 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 yes. in the background waiting for everything. Well, funny you bring that up because yeah. uh, you know how there's World Ballet Day now. Yeah. Yes. Right. And uh, I was watching it one year. I was actually on set and uh, the director was a ballet fan as well. And so I had my computer open. I was like, it's World Ballet Day today. So in between setups, I'm going to be watching. <laughs> and uh, they had the National Ballet morning class. Class had started and Heather Ogden had like, run in she was a little bit late she ran in and blah, blah, blah. and i was like this is the difference between the ballet world and the film and television world because heather's a principal absolutely gorgeous ballerina yeah mm -hmm. class starts at 10 o'clock class started at 10 o'clock yeah. if you're late they're not waiting for you no like no. you're like everybody else get to the bar yeah. do your right. thing yeah and i always say that to my friends it's like it's so different in the dance world it's yeah. like and t tv is like hurry up and wait yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, TV wouldn't start without their star. No. No. You also, know. like, how does that much does that drive you nuts as a dancer who's like got this like built into them of just yeah. being like, I'm on time and ready ten minutes before 
class is supposed to go. Like I'm warm. My stuff is on. Yeah. yeah. I'm drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one year, actually, once my dad, when I was, when I first started in the company, I guess it was my second or third year in the company, uh, I would occasionally hitch a ride with my dad uh, into work. And then my dad was like, why do you always go in so early? And I'd be like, dad, I need to like warm up. I need to like get ready and stretch and whatever. And that morning, I was moving one of the bars into the center because we had, you know, those portable bars. So I was moving one into the center. And as I was moving it into the center, I sprained uh, in between my shoulder blades. I sprained my back up between my shoulder blades. And I just had to laugh because I was like, oh, my God, just this morning, Dad asked me why. Because I need to warm up so I don't injure myself. Cut to, Uh. (laughs) you know, I mean, that wasn't, you know, it was just a minor sprain. And I was still able to dance with some Advil and some ice and whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, So... You're done at Ballet BC. Yeah. Your, your contract was terminated. Yeah. And you came back, and then you decided to get into TV and film? Yeah. Well, it was kind of um, an accidental thing because okay. I, I originally wanted to act because I thought, I'm a performer. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to continue performing. And so uh, I thought, I'm going to try acting and see how that goes. And... I was really, really, really broke at the time, and I was doing background work. Mm-hmm. And on this one show, um, the AD who was taking care of our group of background, he and I were like just chit-chatting throughout the day because we were there all day, and it was a freezing cold day in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like freezing cold, but the scene was summer, so all the background were in shorts and T-shirts. The crew are in love parkas. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it was kind of like this crazy thing. Anyway, whatever. And so I was just like chatting. And on that particular crew, the only woman I could see was the script supervisor. Hmm. And I was like, what about her job? What does she do? Could I do her job? And this is his response to me was, yeah, you're little with a big mouth. Yeah, you could do the job. And I was like, really? Those Why are do the you need to be little? Why do you need to be little? <laughs> yeah. Well, back then, when I started back then, we're now talking mm-hmm. 25 years ago. Um, we didn't have like video village like we have today. Right. You know, there were times when, you know, I had to do off camera where I literally was in the bottom of a phone booth oh. doing a phone conversation or in the back of a car. Yeah. You know, like this doing <laughs> off camera dialogue in the car. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, it is really handy to be little because I could like fit just into, compact. Yeah. yeah. And I could fit into the smallest spaces and, and I could find, I would always get like under the camera, right beside the camera, wherever I could find a spot. So... Um, so I had said to this AD, I was like, introduce me to the producers. Okay. And uh, I said, that's all I want, just an introduction. And he was like, okay. And I had, at the time, I had fought, which I had also fought for Workman's Comp for like six months. Workman's Comp wouldn't recognize dance as a real profession back then. <laughs> Even though it's a professional taxpaying arts company? I don't. No, back then it was really, I had to really fight. I, had, I fought for like six months. Wow. And um, and it was also one of those things where I had this incredible caseworker. I ended up getting this amazing caseworker because, um, and she was also not used to having a dancer who was like desperately wanting to get back to work. It's right. like on Workman's Cop, you get 90% of your salary. You could just, you know. Yeah, chill for a little bit. Chill for a while. And I yeah. was like, no, no, no. I have to get, but I have to be working. I yeah. have to do something. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And I wanted to go to law school. So the irony that my son is in law school right now is just not lost. I <laughs> uh, wanted to go to law school. They wouldn't authorize me going to law school. They were like, you can be a legal secretary, but you can't be a lawyer. And I was like, really? 
why not? And so I said to my caseworker, close the file, I'm done. I will figure it out on my own. Like, wow. I don't want to, you guys are wanting to put me in a box and mm. I don't fit in any of the boxes no. that you have. Yeah. So right. let's close the file. Thanks for your help. Got to go. Yeah. And she was like, let's find something. Yeah. She was really open to huh. finding something. And so I was like, I'm kind of interested in film and television. It's a world where I feel like I would fit in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she was like, well, let's see what we can do. And so that's what I did when I had done that show. And I said, introduce me to the producers. Uh, when I met one of the producers, I said, you know, I would love if you guys would train me. I'll like, I'll work for free. And I had arranged for Workman's Comp to give them a little stipend. Oh, nice. And to still for me to get my Workman's Comp so that I can train. So yeah. I did, they were amazing. They put me, wow. <clears throat> excuse me, they took me in for like a year and I did a movie of the week. Then I did a kids TV series in French, like 13 episodes, yeah. and then a feature film. So that took an entire year. And then they gave me my first continuity job. Like they gave me wow. my first script supervising job. It was like this production company in Montreal that, you know, they had a lot of stuff on their roster. They were yeah. constantly yeah. making things. So they just moved me from one, one project to, to yeah, the yeah, next. Yeah. And there was this one script supervisor in particular who was absolutely incredibly generous with her knowledge mm. and taking the time mm. to explain stuff to me because doing continuity is a really complicated job and it's it's there's so many little things yeah. detail oriented yeah yes. and it's yep. like you know it's like yeah there's just like a million things that I was on the executive board of uh NABET for a number of years and uh I ended up drafting a trade test because we th I, we were like people can come in and you can be a grip and you have like five other grips who will help train you. Yeah. As a script supervisor, if you arrive on set, you need to know what you're doing. There's nobody there to train you. What to to train you. Yeah. Right. And so I thought, I'm going to draft a trade test. And I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Because <laughs> I sat in front of my computer. I was like, where do I even start? Like, right. how Woof. do you even break it down? You yeah. know? So I just did it. I just broke it down the way I start, do my prep, like from prep yep. to shooting, right. to rap, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's how I got into it. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, it was literally out of necessity and, and hmm. desperation and like trying to find something because my yeah. caseworker was like, no, let's find something. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, you're not some construction worker who wants to take advantage of the system. Right. You're right. She's like, you're obviously somebody who really wants to get back to work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes. Yeah, help me. Yeah. So she was, she was amazing. Yeah. She was absolutely instrumental in. Yeah me being here today wow. with you guys. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm curious if in that transition from like being injured, you said you didn't recognize yourself like being the beginning of the end of your dance career. And then into that film, like what kind of like feelings you struggled with and for how long of that big career shift? Oh boy. I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I still have moments of like, I want to say for the first 15 years that I lived, that I moved here, I have, was unable to go watch a performance. Like I could not mm -hmm. go watch a dance performance because I would just sit there and cry. Because right. yeah. it was, because my career ended, not because yeah. I decided to end it. Right. Yeah. It was taken away. And so um, it took a long time and it was coupled with, you know, 
there's the whole mental trip, but there's also the physical trying to get back to yeah. getting out of this back brace. And being in a back brace for six months, you can't just suddenly take it off and you're like, I'm healed. You have to wean yourself yeah. out of it a little bit longer every day. So it'll yeah. take like a month and a half, two months to get out of it. Right. Um, it was a really very, very difficult, I'm not going to lie. It was a very, um, yeah, it was a tough, 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 tough transition mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. sure. And I, and I, once I'd gotten out of the back brace and I, I was invited to perform in this gala performance and I thought, I'm going to do it. This will be my proper sort of... I'm done. You know, Goodbye. I'm done. I can train for these two pas de deux. I was doing Don Quixote and the mm -hmm. Nutcracker pas de deux. And so those were ballets that I danced before. Yeah. Yep. I was like, I knew my body can do this, not the way I used to be able to do it, but I knew I could get away with it. And right. so uh, the last film that I was a trainee on was the science fiction film. We were shooting in a Lafarge quarry in the dead of winter. <laughs> I didn't have any winter gear. I still had my coat, my parka from like high school. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone's like dressed like this, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's a so full balaclava. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get back to my hotel room and and <clears throat> literally uh, drink wine in the shower, sobbing yeah. as I would like warm up, and I'd have my Aww. glass of wine, and then I'd like take a sip and be sobbing. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then when I'd be done, I'd like go and do the bar because two weeks after I was wrapped on this show yeah. were these performances. And so I needed to be in tutu shape. And so at the end of my shooting day in my hotel room, I would do the bar and, yeah, you yeah. know, do whatever it took to get ready, did those two performances. And then, then that was it. That was that. It was yeah. like, then I was full on into my next career, which was being a script supervisor right. slash to director. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, that was my next question was like, so you were script supervising and then was it just kind of similar? You were like, I want to do that. Or like, I want more control over it. Or was it like seeing it, you just wanted to keep elevating it? What was the reason? It was more um, a creative thing. It was yeah. more... Um, like you weren't being challenged creatively being yeah, a script supervisor? Yeah, because I mean, being a script, don't get me wrong, I loved being a script supervisor. It's a great job. It's a great job to be right there. You're like right In there. In the thick of it. Absolutely. Yes, and, totally. and you build relationships with your actors because they need to trust you. And, you know, mm. actors who work a lot know that we're their friend, not yeah. their enemy. Yeah. That we're there to help and to, you know, help them deliver the best performance they can right. uh, deliver. And so... But as the years went on, I was like, you know, I found myself, um, you know, when I'd be breaking down scripts or whatever, I would see it in my head how mm. I would, how I would shoot this. Right. And so, um, but I never had the nerve. And this, I say this all the time. It's like when I stopped dancing, I really lost my voice. I lost mm. my nerve. I lost my voice. I lost all confidence. Mm -hmm. And... Um, even being a script supervisor and when I moved here to Toronto, I was incredibly fortunate because it was like I knew somebody here and I was like, just my resume on the desk. This is always what I ask. It's like, I just want one introduction. Yeah. That's all I asked for. Yeah. So it was like I had my resume with like one show on it. And I was like, and I was like, just give them my resume and got called in for an interview, got a job. And it was from that. Right. Just snowballed. It really did. And yeah. I never had to sort of chase stuff it came to me I was mm -hmm. really really fortunate and um 
and enjoyed the work, but then got really frustrated because it was like, it, it's a highly technical job, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would make it more. I would, you know, be more involved. I was not one of those script supervisors who just sat and quietly took notes and, you know, whatever. I would right. be very involved in everything. And um, I worked with a, some directors who at times were just, I would think to myself, how did you get here? Because you're so not qualified. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, um, <sighs> there would be moments where I'd be like, really? You know? And then I finally was like, why can't I do this? I can do this. Right. I can do this. And so, you know, now here I am in my 50s, like, you know, starting a whole new career again. And it's, uh, you know, the, I certainly have moments of like, what are you doing? You right. know, <laughs> I certainly have moments of like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Um, but I love direct. I really do. Like, yeah. I so enjoy it. And I enjoy <clears throat> just the creativity of it. Yeah. And just, you know, bringing people together and, and figuring it out and making it work mm. and all of that. And so, yeah, it was kind of, it was a really slow burn for me to right. get to here. And it's still slow burning. Like I'm not, you know, I don't know what my next project is going to be right. still. Well, it's contract life. Yeah. yeah. It's contract life. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which I've, since I was 18, was on contract. So yeah, yeah. It's something I'm used to where did you feel you got your confidence back like what moment were you like i am the person that i was when i'm dancing i'm waiting still not here <laughs> no that's not true um <clears throat> i think that's a really good question i don't think i'll ever be as confident as i was dancing mm -hmm. only because is that, can I also, can I just ask, is it a confidence that you have as a performer or is it a confidence that you had as a dancer? Because your performance confidence would be different than what you'd had at the bar being told to suck it in. Yeah. <laughs> Both, actually. Yeah. Both, because as a dancer, um, I was good. Like, and I, <laughs> not to sound like arrogant or anything, but no. I, 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 I knew that I could, like, I knew whatever you threw at me, I could do it. I right. knew that I had the technical ability to dance whatever ballet, you know, whatever yeah. choreographer would ask. Because um, I had been doing it for, it was, it's part of, I'm hardwired. It's part right. of my DNA. Whereas mm -hmm. film and television, I always felt like, I don't know enough yet. I don't know enough the of the, of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet, yeah. you know? And then <laughs> see people who were just way not ready. <laughs> you know, doing stuff. Are. And I thought, mm, okay, I'm more ready what? than that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it got to the point really where I was kind of like, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and, yeah. and try and we'll see what happens. And then I started harassing Dan <laughs> Levy on Schitt's Creek. And I was like, I want an episode. Like I want to direct. You got to like, please, you know, <laughs> um, and Schitt's was an amazing, Schitt's Creek was an amazing experience for me. Cause I was on from day one, season right. one. Um, so to have my sort of directorial debut on that show was incredible. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was an insane amount of pressure because it had already, it was already on people's radars. Yeah. Sorry, can I ask, which yeah. season were you? The, six. The final episode. Yeah, the, the final, final season. season. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I was trying to figure out which episode it was. Yeah, so. it was episode 606, The Wingman. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like Dan had told me, um, we were almost done season five when he told me that I was going to have an episode in season six. And I was like, 
And it was funny because we were sitting outside, we were on location outside of the town hall, sitting in the grass. Yeah. And he wanted to talk to me. And I thought, whenever somebody wants to talk to me, I'm immediately like, I'm fired. Yes. <laughs> I'm literally yes. like, I'm fired. I'll just leave now. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's okay. Don't, don't tell me. Do the speech. I'll, I'll just leave. Yeah, yeah. You know. You just leave my do stuff. my badge leave. right now. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Leave, leave exactly. my stuff in a box. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable firing me. So exactly. I'll just leave. Yes. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm going to save you the trouble and I'm just, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Um, but then he told me that and I just started to cry and drivers were driving by and like the next day, the drivers were, a couple of the drivers were like, are you okay? I saw you crying yesterday at the den. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like totally fine. It's all good. You know, yeah. he was just, it was just some good stuff that he was telling me, but I didn't tell anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Until I had signed my contract, like of course. nine months later, because right? Because you have no idea what can happen between now and then. Exactly. Yes. Right. And so... I didn't want to be one of those people who's like, wah, wah. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know. So it was like once I signed my, the only person I told was like, I told my son and my ex. And I just was like, you know, I'm getting an episode of Shit's Creek. Oh, my God. You know. But then I had to wait. And I waited in silence because I still wanted to, like, just scream it everywhere. Yeah. And, and I thought, no, Donna, because it's like with my, I thought, with my luck. I'm going to tell everybody and it's going to go away. So I'll just be <laughs> yeah. quiet and... Um, so I did. So when I finally signed my contract and started, it was like, you know, the most exciting thing in the world. It was like, I'd just been cast, you know, to do Giselle or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Juliet or, um, and I did had, did you ever think that you would feel that same, um, like the, when like a artistic director is telling you like, you're going to play this role in Giselle yeah. or you're going to dance, you know, this in Swan Lake. And you're like, it's my dream. Did you ever think that you would feel that way again? Never. Yeah. Hmm. Never. And I still, uh, the one thing that I've not been able to uh, sort of, not recreate, but the, the thrill of the performance, like the adrenaline of performing, of yeah. being mm -hmm. in front of an audience on a stage with no take two, because as you know, as yeah. a dancer, yep. it's like, now or never yep, yep. Uh, drop in now yeah <laughs> and and afterwards like how you feel after a show um that excitement that sort of adrenaline rush is it's different now now it's more terror <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. now it's more like oh my fucking god you know it was like yeah. on my first day on shits it's like you know as a crew member you you stand back and you let the director do their thing and and blocked the scene and my first day on Shit's Creek directing was, you know, I had the whole crew there and, and the cast and yeah. I was standing there and it was like, it seemed like forever, but it was just a nanosecond. It was like, oh, I have to speak now. I'm, I'm waiting directing. for you. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, they're waiting for me. Oh my God, yeah, I'm yeah. the one, you know? And then it was like, and, but it really had a bit of a <laughs> slow-mo feeling because I'm Marcel, like, Marcel, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, seeing like everybody there staring at me mm -hmm. and a moment of like, why are you all staring at me? You know, and I was like, oh, because I'm directing, yeah. right? Um, but in prep, Eugene was, Eugene Levy, who was just, such, sorry, I keep hitting my mic, sorry. Oh, okay. um, was so lovely. Uh, I was walking in the hall in the office one day and he was sitting in an office and he saw me and he came out and he was like, you're you're directing this season. Like he was just like this. So and I was excited. Like, he, and he, and I was like, I know. What a jam. He, honestly, Ugh. the whole cast, like every single person on Schitt's Creek was mm -hmm. top notch gem. Yeah. You know, sure there's drama and sure there's, you know. Yeah. Always is. There, I mean, every you know, single thing ever. <laughs> you're, um, you're spending yeah, 20 hours a day with the same 50 people for also months. Also it's all like yeah. people in, 
like film and TV, like I walk down the street and I can find drama. Like it's yeah. like obviously there's gonna be fucking shit going on. Like I'm like that fucking person looked at me weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they'll cut you. Yeah, no. yeah. What's happening? <laughs> no, but Eugene was great because he was like, you know, he was like, now you tell us where to go and you tell us what you mm. want us to do and you do what you need to do to get what you need. Like because it's our job and mm -hmm. don't feel bad. And I was like. Oh my God, you're like in my head, I'm like, you are just the coolest. What a Have dad. What also like a dad moment to be Such like. Such a dad. I you don't like do your thing. Support you. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Had there been a female director on the show yet? Yeah, Jordan Canning had right. been on. I, was, I thought that um, and she was great. We actually shared an office and she was just, you know, really great at like if I had a moment of what do I do now? Mm -hmm. You know, because as a script supervisor, the one thing you don't that's that you're not really exposed to is the whole prep process, right? Mm -hmm. Like we prep home alone with our script. Yes, you're in a couple of meetings, but not to the level that a director, like a director, you know, right? it's everything. Yeah. And so um, there were moments in prep where I was like, you know, a little unsure about- Who to contact Yeah, like, yeah. is it okay if I, you know, reach yeah. out to this person or if I do this? Um, but yeah, so Jordan was the first uh, female director on the show. Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have good. a I mean like we I mean I would like to talk about Shits Creek so much because like <laughs> every Canadian is like this is amazing. I know. <laughs> um, but I have a like there's such an interesting like crossover between choreography and directing. Because yes. it's just like choreography, you know? It's like following someone, it's like creating movement patterns. It's there's like an interesting um, you know, similar principles in what you would learn in like a choreography class, I imagine. That's Sorry, go ahead. But have you felt, I mean, A, have you felt that? I'm assuming by your nods, yes. <laughs> 100%. And the funny thing is, because I, yeah. I, did, I, did I did a panel a while ago, and I, I, I spoke of this, yeah. and, and um, it's 100% for me was choreography. Yeah. Uh, and I had my little, on my desk in my office, I had my son's, like, Lego men that were, like, packed away because he's grown up now. Yeah. But um, I had, like... No, this, no, no, he still plays with Lego. Yeah, yeah. That it's okay. <laughs> You can out him here, it's fine. Like, I had my little Lego guys on the thing because I was like blocking the scene with my little Lego guys yeah. and trying to figure it out. And and on shits, um, stylistically, it's two handheld cameras. Yeah, right. That's it. You don't have cranes and this and that. It's like two handheld cam cameras. That's the style. Right. In the motel rooms, in the bar, wherever, it's like you have very limited space. And my scenes were, you know, five, six, seven people right. in this tiny room with two cameras. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> Excuse me. And because my episode was called The Wingman, I always tried to have, if you look in the motel room, that was, and, and the bar as well, were really choreographed because it was like, I wanted Johnny to somehow always come to Bob's side to mm -hmm. be yep. his wingman, wingman yeah. both literally, you yeah. know. Um, and so, yeah, yes, it was all choreography for me. It was yeah. it, it, it motivated as well. You know, you have to have it motivation. Sense. You of have course. to. Yeah. They have to have a reason to yeah. want to move. Um, and the cast were great. Like, there were no sort of, no, I wouldn't go there or I wouldn't do that. You know, wow. um, they were fully on That's board. good, especially because it was the sixth season. So they have dived There's into these characters. They oh, know yeah. these characters, like, the back There's of their also a style you know? to the show. There's, like, all of these things that are already set. Yeah. Right? And that's the thing, too, with directing episodic television is, like, there are, you know, the the style of the show and, and how the show was shot and the look and how do you put your signature right. on that all within fi 
you know, fitting within the parameters that the show requires. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it was choreography. It was movement. Yeah. And the bar scene, I had two scenes in the bar and that set was a really tricky set to shoot in. And I was just like, it was giving me like sleepless nights. Right. <laughs> and I thought, how am I going to block this? And I just, it was just driving me bananas. I just couldn't figure it out. And then finally it came to me. I was like, it was one of those real aha moments after days and days and days of just like staring at my Lego guys going, I don't know where to put you guys. Like, yeah. I don't know where to put the camera. I don't know what to do. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like full on panic, right? Yeah. I don't know what to do. Um, but it finally came to me, you know, it was like, I finally, you know, it unblocked and whatever, but you know. Right. Have yeah. you had a chance to shoot something that's one shot yet? Like one long shot yet? Like a one -er? Yeah. No, so everything. Fun. Yeah, no, everything that I've had to do. Uh, I did some one on uh, Lock and Key. Yeah. Uh, I was sent out to to shoot in Lindenberg mm -hmm. last year. So I, a year ago, like yeah. now, had to quarantine for two weeks in Halifax in this mm -hmm. condo that was kind of probably about this size. Yeah. Which is trippy to yeah. like have to quarantine, not in your city. You can't go out. You also have to like I, a fucking box, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's the mental trip too, because I went through, there were a couple of nights where I went to a really dark place and I was like, hmm, I'm either going to walk out of here fine or in a stretch, on a stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> Deathly ill. Oh, yeah. Because that's why you're quarantining, right? right. You're yeah. either going to be okay or you're not. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you're like checking your temperature literally like yeah, every 10 minutes. No, yeah. It'd be like, you know, and even now it's like, if I have a little cough or a sneeze, I'm like, oh. Yeah. You know, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, I double, I double vaccinated yeah. and wear two masks all the time. Like yeah. I have a KN95 and a fashion yeah. one on top. Like I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm one of those people who's like, you want me to wear a mask for the next five years? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with it. Wow. Know? For it's like, if this is how we have to live our lives so that we can move about, that's like something that I'm fine to do. Totally. Yeah. And actually it's weird. Cause it's like, I mean, I'm a little better now. Cause I'll actually, you know, I brushed my hair today and put some mascara on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like leaving the house and like and in my neighborhood I'd see people like in the early in the pandemic I'd see people sort of walking around literally in their pajamas like going to the corner and I thought oh, yeah. this is amazing I'd yeah. go to Loblaws and there'd be people in their pajama bottoms at Loblaws yeah. with their masks and everything and I thought I put my sunglasses my mask my headphones it's like oh yeah I'm anonymous <laughs> I am completely yeah. anonymous and, and I kind of enjoyed that for a little while I was kind of like you know Whatever, just walking around feeling a little, this is so weird. Like, I'm completely hidden. Yeah. Like, it was just a weird thing to, like, walk around and, and people not see your face. I do this thing now where I don't put makeup on the lower part of my face. Same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I just, like, I'm just, like, like concealer, yeah. makeup, brows, I'll, like, glue up, and I'll be, like, good to go. And then sometimes I, like, take it off, and it's just, like, skin color yeah. difference. And you're like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> on, on lock and key, um, it was, like, in the winter yeah I guess it was in the winter and I had mascara on and I went to the bathroom and I literally had raccoon eyes like this and my first AD was a woman and I was like this can never happen I was like who didn't tell me yeah. to tell me this I was like if you had a booger in your nose I would tell you you, I, you, you I've been how long have I been walking around like this yeah. and she was like well, I wasn't sure and it was like her first day she was like well, I wasn't sure if I should I was like no 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 you must tell me, you know, yes. and so, so 
one of the makeup artists was like, you need to try the tube mascara, you know, and all this stuff for yeah. not to leak and whatever. So, but yeah, I even brought lipstick in my bag for today. I was like, mm, maybe I'll put some lipstick on, yeah. you know. But, yeah, lipstick is something that like, I mean, we're very off topic right now, but I mean, <laughs> lipstick is something that I like, I, I was like, is that ever going to be a thing? Anymore? I was like, because I don't wear lipstick nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Because I'm like, Sorry. who's going to see my fucking lips? Yeah. You know, yeah. like. And it's like, what? You're and if someone's going to see my lips, lips, it's probably because I'm making out with them. Like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> and which is, the tongue's already in my mouth, man. <laughs> like, lipstick why doesn't matter. Why am I lure them with lips? <laughs> You're all, you're halfway home. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. You said you almost did a one-er for lock and key. Was yeah, that where no, we were? Because um, again, uh, when I went to when I went to Lunenburg again, it was like establishing Matheson. That was in the script. That's what yeah. it was. The town establishing the town. So right. it's like, well, what do you guys want? Like, right? Do you, like, what do you want? And um, one of the producers was like had mentioned the showrunner, uh, there was this sequence in this one episode of a show that he really, li really liked stylistically. It was like an interstitial, transitional kind of shot that yeah. he really liked. So I was like looking for the shot, find the shot. And then I ended up like writing yeah. this whole scenario, you know, different little vignettes yeah. and sent it off to them. And they were like, great, shoot that. So it was like, okay. And so, um, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, I wrote such an ambitious thing. I have, like, I have one day to prep and yeah. one day to shoot. Um, but it was great. I had, like, yeah, I had done, like, mm. a little sequence with a guy coming up with some flowers, going into the store and going off and, like, you know, but mm. nothing with, you know, dialogue or anything like that because it was just, you know, right. it was just in the town yeah. and whatever. So but that was fun uh, to do that. But oneers in episodic mm. television are not something you should do really no or if you do a one or you do it with coverage yeah or really? i feel like it's something they do as like a theme as like an episode later on in like a season like i think how i met your mother does a one where in like between three rooms where they just like yeah pan in and out between. i love one right. like yeah. and like shows like law and order yeah or mm -hmm. like we'll do like these huge steadicam yeah. walk and talks oneers or yep. you know yeah. if you can choreograph something really interesting I love. That's why I was asking if you, because it would be like a form of choreography that you yeah. would then be kind of yeah. like following. Yeah. yeah. And so, yes, I've not had the opportunity to yeah. do that yet, sort of mm. with people talking. But the uh, only one I, like the ones that I can think about that are like big are like Kill Bill, right? Like that really right. famous one. Well, that whole, yeah, that whole movie too. The what movie was it that was up for an Oscar? Wasn't there one with the, I don't know. There's also, uh, what is it? The Player has this huge, this movie that was in the, I want to say in the early 90s, maybe. Hmm. Mm. There's like a ginormous one at the beginning. Right. Mind you, though, you can see, it's like, if you dissect it, you can see where there were cuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in Goodfellas as well, there's that giant yes. one in the kitchen, that whole... I think it's more typical just in movies. Yeah. Yes. Birdman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Birdman? Birdman? Oof. Birdman? Was, was oh, it Birdman a one I don't know. Maybe. But they use, like, spe specific technology, but they just ended up shooting really long scenes. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, scenes, like, really long. But they ended up finding a way to put it. I think the whole movie looks like a winner. Maybe I'm completely incorrect. But I'm is that the <clears> one with <throat> Emma? What's Anyway. <laughs> Birdman is with, uh, what's his name? Um, wow. I know. I, everything is just gone right now. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I think it is. But they've, like, they've also, like, got... There's ways to, like, cut it that doesn't look like it's cut. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The, yeah. If you go, like, if you wipe, you know... Pass if you wipe doorway. on something. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all those things that you can do. Frame, whatever. Somebody walks by. That's where you hide your cut and whatever. Yes. Right. But, um, totally. And in episodic television, 
not a good idea to do that no. because they're, you know, they're constrained by time. Totally. Right? Yeah. So if the scene runs long or if this big, long dialogue scene is a one yeah, and they can't cut into it, probably not getting invited back. Yeah, know? right. Or of course. Maybe they don't it's, use I it altogether. Like, or something that they're asking for, like, we want this episode stylistically to be like this. Sure. Yes. You know? Sure, yeah. sure, sure. But yeah, I've not, not yet. No, no, no. no, no. no. It's been get it all, see it all, get it all. Yeah. 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 How has it been differently? Because, I mean, you were on Shit's Great from day one. Yeah. Now you're on Lock and Key, but you just came in in season two. Is that right? Yeah. Season two. How has it been different coming into something that's already been established versus being with something from the ground up? Um, Lock and Key was a whole other world. Like, the fact that it was already established was, like, didn't factor in as much as the... Oh my God, this is a huge show and there's a lot of like... it's on Netflix, yeah. And it's on Netflix and there's like, it was a much bigger budget and I had much... And a completely different genre. Totally different. Yes. So much darker? Darker and... um, Fantasies. Had so much more freedom stylistically Mm -hmm. to do stuff. Like I could do stuff handheld or with Steadicam or on a crane or, you know, whatever. So So, yeah, when you have that, I had, you know... I mean, and again, you know, because I was directing second unit on that, I had to um, respect the directors, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. their vision and their choices and, and respect their work mm-hmm. and and shoot stuff that would be mine, but still fits in, still respects what they yeah. want. Mm-hmm. So it was... It was for sure definitely challenging because you don't have the same kind of freedom that you have mm-hmm. if the episode is yours. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it was good for me to do that. It was it was great because I got to do, you know, like green screen wire work, you know, yes. like, you know, yes. spoiler alert. <laughs> I can't say too much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all these things. Yeah, all yeah. these things, <laughs> you know, all these like great sequences. <laughs> and, and it was great because on Locking, like, even though I directed the second unit, I got to direct full sequences and scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just yeah. like a little insert of a key in a door. It was like yeah. building stuff. And and yeah. so it was really um, terrifying yeah. and fun and challenging. And I work really well under pressure. Like I'll make myself sick before. Well, dancer. Dancers. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's no, I, there's no putting yourself first. It's the work first. Absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because I interviewed a little while ago and the, the person I interviewed with sent an email to my agent saying, you know, whatever, whatever. And clearly she's not afraid of hard work, you know? And I was like, and then I was telling my sister, I was like, how could she tell that? Like in an interview, how could she tell I'm not afraid of hard work? And my sister was like, hi, you were a dancer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. I guess. Yeah. But it's so part of, yeah. you know, yes. who I am, um, to my own detriment. I will, yeah. it'll mm-hmm. be about the work mm-hmm. first, no matter what. Selflessly, not selfishly. Yeah, completely, yes. completely. It's, it's all about yeah. the art, whatever the art you're, it is that you're putting out, whether yeah. it be ballet, whether it be yeah. television, whatever it is, it's about that. It's yeah. not about me. Totally. And mm-hmm. my ego, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really not. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's easy to go there, you know, because directing is really fun. And yeah, things happen. You ask for things and they happen, you know, and like, right. like stuff gets done and it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's always in service of the story. Really. Yeah. It's all about telling the story. Mm-hmm. So, of course. I have a question about um, what were the, like the major differences about working with like a public broadcaster like CBC for Schitt's Creek 
and working for such a big streaming service like Netflix? Mm. Good question. I feel like it's it's a tough one to answer because Schitt's Creek was unique in that the broadcaster really didn't, to my knowledge, yeah. uh, have like, you know, five pages of notes every day at the end of every day with, you know, whatever. And with Netflix as well, I'm not sure because I wasn't privy to that. So right. Um, right. whatever sort of mandate I had came from my boss and the showrunners and um, I really felt unfettered. Like I really didn't feel like um, I was constrained by anything. Mm, great. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I didn't really no, that's okay. answer that. No, I mean, it, that's it, probably a good answer, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah but I know, like... I know that, like, a lot of different networks will have, like, a ton of notes. Oh, and, and You know, yeah. and sometimes, you know, I've I've been on shows where I've gotten, have been present while notes from the network were being considered and be like, seriously, did somebody really? Do, do they even watch what they have? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. who did this come from? You know, like, yes. just yeah. sometimes, like, really out there kind of. No, it's <laughs> also probably very different. Like, you know, like Schitt's Creek was kind of like very unique in the sense that it was the, f I mean, not, it wasn't the first like amazing major thing to come out of like the network, but it was like, it's first in a while, first in a while, but it yeah. didn't start that way. You know, they, right. like I think Dan and Eugene really had to like work to make it and ask for more money and get, you know, all these yeah. things. Whereas Netflix, lock and key, obviously coming in with a huge budget, mm -hmm. coming in with a premise, coming in with we're ready to throw money at this thing because it's Netflix. Like the ideas are very different in how, how the series will grow, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and Schitt's Creek was really, we started out like so small, right? Mm -hmm. We were just this little Canadian show. And even yeah. when I was hired for the show, the producer who hired me, I'd worked with before and he was like, you know, it's this cute little Canadian comedy. It's got Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. So yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, that should be fun. Like it's, yeah. you know, a three month little gig and <laughs> it'll be great. And you know, whatever, never thinking, obviously you never know, obviously right. when, yeah. you, when you're on a show, no. what's going to hit and what isn't. And for the longest time, it wasn't until shits got onto Netflix yeah. that it gained traction. Is that season three or season four? Season four, three, mm, three. I started watching it season three. three? Yeah. 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 So it was only then that it started to sort of build, build yeah. and everything. But we always stayed small. our small little show, you know, because yeah. you're so far away from all the other shit that's happening. Yeah, you know, and, like, yeah, and and sorry, pun, but, so, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as Canadians as yeah. well, we're so used to yeah. making stuff with so little, right? Yeah. We're used to um, figuring out, and this is why this is why I just love like crews and. Our, Certainly here in Toronto, I can only speak to Toronto because I, the majority of my work has been here, but um, people are so talented and creative and hungry you know, and hungry and yes. they get shit done. People like we get shit done mm. and you don't have any money, but it's like, okay, well, let's figure it out. Let's yeah. figure it out. Mm -hmm. And you do, yeah. you know, so yeah. Yeah. It gets done. It gets done. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're directing now. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and there's been like a lot of talk in the industry, I think like within the Me Too movement and directors and female directors. And there's been a ton of shit in the past two years with like no female directing nominees. I mean, obviously not the past two, but before yeah. that. 
How are you feeling? Are you feeling, are you personally feeling like an uprising of women directors or are you still feeling like it's not as, it's not moving as quickly as people are suspecting? It's a slow, slow burn for sure. Mm. It's, um, there's change. Mm -hmm. There's definitely change. The one thing that I have observed a little bit is uh, at the beginning, now not, I can't speak to now, but at the be like a few years ago, it was like some females were being pushed into positions that they weren't ready for. And, mm. and it was like tokenism. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was a disservice to them because it's like, you're setting them up to fail. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, you'll be, then, and then, then you're like, oh, look, they can't the, do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. See, yeah. we tried, oh, but they can't. So yeah. now we don't have to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was, you know, there was a little bit of that where I'd seen like a couple of people who were really just not ready to take on what they were and, and and it was like oh my god you're doing such a disservice to this person you know yeah, right. um it's definitely better now yeah and it's much more open but that whole <laughs> it's still what thing. i say it's, <laughs> it's still a thing it's yeah. very much a thing and it's also now i find myself because i still encounter that misogyny um, and stuff on set sure yeah um but i hesitate to say you know, would you treat a male director this way or would you, you know, blah, 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 because I don't want to automatically default to it's a female thing. Right. right. So right. it's like finding the balance because it's like there are good guys out there. Totally. And it's like you don't want to throw everybody under the bus. And I feel like yeah. there was a time when the pendulum swung a little too far one way. It needs, you know, we need sure. to find that balance. Yeah. Um, it's better, but there's there's still a ways to go in the... Um, how can I put this without <laughs> getting in trouble? There's still, um, the undercurrent of that still exists. Mm -hmm. Like, mm. you're a woman. It's there. Like, it's there. It's, it's you know, like judgment or the doubt. There, it's there. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Or they just like, they take a second. They're like, mm, you have to prove yourself first before we trust you. Or if like a male director or DOP or anything came in, they would just give that person the benefit of the doubt without mm. having to prove that they're good at yeah. what they're doing. And if you speak up, yes, um, it's not always a good thing. You get into trouble for speaking up. You're still. not, not going to get hired again. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to ask you back. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, so mm. that's the, there's the yeah. finding the balance because it's like, you feel as a woman, you have a responsibility to speak up. And certainly mm -hmm. for me at my age now with everything that I've been through in my life and I've reached a point, you know, I'm not 20 years old anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but it's interesting because things that I like that are so ingrained in me from, right. yes. from back when it was that, and that was just how it was done and yeah. how, you know, not that it was okay back then, no. but you didn't say anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, yeah. that happens. And it's like, I'll be like, Oh, you know, it's how it always is. It's like, no, Right. No, there has to be change. You know, there has to be, mm. yep. you know, um, yeah. The, yeah. The unlearning of that is so hard. It's really I hard. I catch myself with it all the time. And I catch myself with like younger coworkers. They'll like tell me a story about how like they like had this interaction with somebody. I'm like, and you just didn't say anything. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, you know? And like, I understand like in the moment that it can be hard to say something, but just like take a second to recognize that that was not okay. Yeah. You didn't have to act on it in the moment, yeah. but now you know that it's not okay and you can take that knowledge with you at an 
the yeah. next injunction. Yeah. Or you can tell someone else that it's not okay, mm-hmm. right? And like it's constant, this like unlearning and relearning. And I think the most important part of that is like sharing, right? Because if totally. nobody ever talks about it, then no one's going to unlearn what needs to happen. Exactly. And I, I took this course when I joined the Directors Guild of Canada, there's this mandatory course that I had to take. It was something about uh, some leadership supervisor thing. Anyway, it was a two day course. And I was really like, really? I have to do that. Like I was so not like <laughs> those stupid courses. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, Oh, and I was like, oh, seriously, I've been in the industry for like 25 I was like, really like, oh, I don't want to do this course. Yeah. Okay, fine. It was incredible. First of all, the instructor was phenomenal. She was, this, this course should, like everyone should take this course. Wow. I was blown away. I came out of there thinking, this is amazing. Wow. And all the, about leadership? It was about leadership, but it was also about like, um, we talked about harassment. We talked mm. about conflict resolution. We talked, mm. like we touched everything. And the instructor was just Amazing. And, um, there were, we were 13, there were not, I think it was like nine or 10 guys and five women in the course. Right. And at one point the instructor was said, um, it's late at night. It's like two in the morning. You're wrapped. You need to go to your car. What do you do? Every single woman was like, one girl was like, well, I, and she had a ponytail. She was like, well, I undo my ponytail because, you know, you don't want to be grabbed. The other one was like, I walk in the middle of the street. The other one was like, I keys. walk with my keys, which I do yeah. as well. And I was like, hey, and, you know, you have I your phone in your hand. Yes. Yeah. All those things. And the men around the table were like, like, gobsmacked. I just my car. Yeah. They yeah. were like. Smoke a joint? I don't fucking know. <laughs> no, but, yeah. but they were surprised at how. Um, Prevalent? how easy our responses were. Like it's so, cause mm-hmm. I was like, I get in my car. The first thing I do is I lock the doors. Like mm-hmm. I get in, lock the doors before I do anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the guys were like, you guys really do that? And we're like, Oh my God. On a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be the middle of the night. It's like, no, that's, oh, it's, gosh. it's what we do. It's what we have grown up in. And the tiny nuances that you just like have, have are ingrained in you that aren't ingrained. There. Absolutely. Yes. And you, it, you don't even think twice about it. Right. And, or haven't and, had an experience that you've had to think twice about it. That's you know? right. Like, right. That's you know. right. And then, uh, um, they were all like really, or a bunch of them, like I, a couple of them were like, like literally shaking their heads, like, wow, like we had no idea mm-hmm. and they had no idea. And then, uh, she had shown this video of a couple of different scenarios of like this girl getting harassed and what mm-hmm. harassment looks like. Cause it looks different in every situation. Yeah. Right? It also looks different on the lens that you come with it at. Yeah. You know, absolutely. your personal bias and experience. And I was watching it and, and I got really, really triggered mm. and the boardroom was set up. So it was like, she was at one end, I was at the other end and the screen was behind me. So I had to turn to watch the screen and everybody was this way. So like this, and I got super triggered mm. and I could like feel the tears and everything. Then it was, when it was, done everybody turns around so I was like at the back of the room so it was good it was like oh, nobody can see that I'm like you know yeah a little bit whatever and then um we started this discussion and and I and I somehow just I can't believe I like did this but 
I was so triggered and I said, you know what's missing in this video is what happens to her after. I said, she's gonna go home, she's gonna take those jeans and she's gonna throw them in the garbage. She's gonna take that lipstick and never wear it again because mm -hmm. she feels that she might have invited that. And that little top that she really, really likes, she will also never wear it again. Yes. And for the next 20 years, she's gonna think twice about how she gets dressed. And I was really like, mm -hmm. because it's something that I experienced and yes. I, went through that, mm -hmm. threw the jeans away, threw the top away, through like mm -hmm. just, you know, um, dre always dress very sort of asexual on set mm -hmm. because of that. You don't want to invite that. And I was just, you know, and I was recounting this and telling this and just like, I would, and then the instructor was like, so I think now would be a good time to like for us to take our lunch break. And I was like, <laughs> thank oh you. God. So I got up and went to the bathroom and like had my full on meltdown and whatever. And she came in and this one of the girls who was in there came in the bathroom also in tears. And the instructor came in and was like, are you guys okay? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I was mortified that I was that triggered. Yeah. Um, and also then like crying, you're like, why am I also embarrassed for feeling something? Like, yeah. Why am I mortified for feeling something that resonates with me because of this and this and yes. this? Like, it's just, there's like a whole like circle, full circle yeah. moment that like happens. And you beat and yourself the adrenaline up. you were probably feeling yeah. in the moment, right? Yeah, and yeah. I was also mortified because this, these, like, this was a course where it's all like directors, yeah. editors, like all people in upper position production, like they're all people in high yeah. management positions. And they're and peers. So, my yeah, peers. Yeah. And so here I am. And then when we came back from the break, uh, pretty much every single guy was like, thank you. Oh, wow. There was one dude that actually came out when I was still, like I hadn't walked back into the room. He actually came up to me yeah. and was like, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And you know, when we came back, I was like, I'm so sorry for just, cause I really did. I was like, She's going to take those jeans and she's going to throw them away. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I was full on triggered. Yeah. And, um, but it was good. And the instructor was great because she was like, this is a, like, it happens to all of us. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's part of being a girl, unfortunately. <sighs> unfortunately. Being, unfortunately. A, being a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, I mean, we're at time. <laughs> it's a bit of a strange place to end it. <laughs> Um, but we have Wait. to ask you. I like chocolate. No. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm um, a chocoholic. And, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> we have one last question to ask you. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, and has been for years, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. It's like, um, it fucking kills me at times for sure. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it kills me is also what drives me, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. Yes. Um, Love a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can I just have the easy way? No. Do you um, want the easy way? Also no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, there's a far simpler way that you can, you know. Um, yeah. I took a year off working in the industry and I worked for this company this sort of third party company that was meant, and I, I was like the project manager for like Joe Fresh, for the New York offices for mm -hmm. Joe Fresh. And I did that for a year. And I was like, I'm gonna kill myself. You know, it was yeah. like nine to five, office. Yeah. yeah, and people at four o'clock, it was like, or you could do eight to four. And at four o'clock, literally, people were like whoosh, out the door. And I'd be in my office doing my thing. And I remember one day one of the girls was like, you can go home. And I was like, no, well, no, I still have work to do. 
you can do that tomorrow. <laughs> I'd be like, no, my call sheet says I have to get through this today. <laughs> my desk has to be clear tomorrow when I come in. Yeah. It's a whole new day, right? So it was like that whole, yeah. you know, workaholic thing. And then when I, when I left, I had spoken to, uh, I'd stayed in touch with one of the girls. And I was like, okay, so like who replaced me? You know, wanted to know, wanting to know like who replaced me and whatever. And she was like, because I had, before I took the job, my sister, I was speaking to my sister and I said, I don't have any translatable skills. Like, how am I going to function in the real world? You know, like I, I, I was a dancer real? and yeah, I was a dancer <laughs> and now I work in film and television. Like, it, how am I going to, and my sister's like, well, first of all, you can work for 16 hours straight for nine months in a row, five days a week and still function. She goes, yeah. that alone is a skill that not a lot of people have. Um, and my, the friend that I had stayed in touch with was like, they divided your job amongst four people because that <laughs> person can do the load that you had. Because throughout the year, the company got bigger, so my tasks got more and more, and I my workload got heavier and heavier. And also, and heavier. like, you upped the bar. You were probably, because you're, this is also, like, such a weird artist thing, is, like, constantly working to be better because it's, like, you and your contract, and you've got to yeah. give up this. Yeah. Whereas, like, in corporate, it's, like, you, there's this weird parallel the, where you're like you trying minimums. to, you yeah. hit, you're hitting fucking minimums because if you hit higher, then that's that's the new bar for yeah. expectation. Whereas like as an artist, that's what it is. Yeah. Whereas in corporate, it's just like no, no, no. You got to you got to find some place in the middle. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you find a way. Like you always find a way. Yeah. Somehow you find a way to get it done. You mm -hmm. find yes. a way to. Yeah. Like I remember once, I dealt with everything. Like I dealt with just every aspect of of running that company, and so including. Speaking to designers in New York, like, I'm shut out of my account and I need my new pens, you know, at like some art store to be like, okay, well, let me get back to you. And so I would, you know, yeah, yeah. sort it out, unlock the account and then call them back like whatever an hour later and be like, okay, you can like order your pens now. And they'd be like, what? Already? Like they would be totally surprised that it was resolved that same day. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, not even like within the hour for them. Yeah. It was like, oh my God, like, you know. So, yeah, it was like I was, you know, super driven. And, yeah. and um, yeah, you always want to be better. You always yeah. want to do better. You always want to make the company you're working for better. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, wow. it's exhausting. So being an artist is fucking killing me. I never sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't sleep and I have stomach issues. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> stomach issues constant stomach problems yeah. and uh complete insomnia all the time yeah yeah, yeah. 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 i do my best work at three in the morning but, uh, yes inspiration time everyone else is the entire everyone else is asleep well you know what's you fine i know, I know we're out of time but at the beginning of the pandemic one night i was up at like i don't know it was like 1 30 in the morning couldn't sleep and i was like Ugh. i was like and it was a beautiful night out so i thought i'm just gonna go like sit outside and stare at the stars and you know contemplate my life and I open my curtains and my door, I live on the ground floor and there's a little, I, my place gives out onto a courtyard yeah. and I opened my curtains. Everybody was awake. Everybody. Everybody. Everyone was awake. Everyone was up. Like all the, the oh. people across from me, across the courtyard, I could see they were doing some work. Yes. The dude that was living there was awake. The person over there, like lights were on and there. And I was like, oh my God, we're all living yeah. the same thing like at the beginning of the pandemic it was like our schedules were so yeah i don't need to wake up tomorrow morning because i don't need to be anywhere yeah. tomorrow yep. morning and so okay i'll stay up later and you know yeah. everybody was Ugh. sort of yeah man i've never experienced insomnia like the beginning of lockdowns wow really yeah oh yeah i'm only now like i've 
rap Shit's Creek. It's been a no Shit's Creek, Lock and Key. It's been a couple of weeks, and only now am I starting to actually sleep. Oh, yeah. and like yesterday, I wasn't feeling great yesterday, and uh, stomach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I and I ended up napping on the couch, which I never do. I never nap ever, ever, yeah. ever. And I and I napped, and I woke up, and I was like, I am so exhausted mm -hmm. just from the stress and the pressure yeah. and not knowing and the lockdown and you know all of it, like work and what's going to happen, like all of that, and realized like I'm really, really, really tired, like mm -hmm. just from just from the whole mental thing that I put yeah. myself through, yeah. and that's me too because yeah. I overthink things there's also like theory. so many variables right now that you we never had to account for before that are stressful yeah. like oh we have plans we have like guest book for the next like month but like who knows what's going to happen tomorrow well and you that's know? the thing like I'm yeah. looking to fly yeah. for my son's birthday in, in October to yeah. the UK I want to be there for his birthday and I'm holding off buying my ticket because I don't know what's going to happen and then yeah. If I go there and then something happens and I'm stuck there, you can't right. get back. I can't get back. What if I get work? Not that I'm, I highly doubt any work would come <laughs> like in the next month or so. Um, but all of those things, it's like yeah. what to do if you're yeah. suddenly stuck there, you know, and you hear stories of people who were like at the beginning of the pandemic who were stuck wherever for months and months and months and yeah. couldn't leave. So yeah, there's that whole, you so can't much just, uncertainty, right. so much uncertainty and you can't really sort of plan that far ahead because you no. just don't know you just yeah. don't know and I'm sure shows yeah. like are you know as they as we prepare for the next cycle of shows that are going to start and stuff yep. I'm sure producers are all like you know who knows you know plus yep. the COVID but you know they have to budget in COVID yeah people now people, people and PPE. Yeah. PPE like I have to say on unlock it like I, they took really good care of us. Yeah. We were like, you know, we had PPE and like full. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, and were tested very regularly. Yeah. And it was like, I felt safer on set than I did going to the grocery store, you know, just oh, yeah. because. Um, yeah, totally. You know, plus the people, the COVID people would be like. <laughs> they walk through you and they're like, yeah. 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 Or it'd be like, you know, if you how should that suck? Just being fun police. Like I know. I know. Oh, so, I know, like, and you know, everybody, they're not fun police, but kind of. They kinda of totally. are. And like I feel bad because like that job would suck. It would suck. And and there were a couple of them that were like really, really young. Really young. It's an entry level position that's not paid a lot. Exactly. Right? And they were really young. And it's like when you're going up to like a grizzled old fucking, you know, 25 year veteran who just doesn't want to hear it. And doesn't and give they, a shit. And doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And they still have to do their jobs. And it's like, oh my God, like, that poor person. give her a break. Yeah. You know, it's like she's doing her job. And yeah, it's shitty, but she's got to do her job. And yeah. so, um, yeah. And there'd be like green zones and stuff. And it was funny because uh, on my last, second to last day or whatever I'd gone to the green zone to drink water yeah. and one of the COVID girls was like I'm gonna give you a gold star and I was like why and she was like because you're drinking in the green zone and I was like aren't we supposed to drink in the green zone and she was like no directors drink in the green zone they always like try and sneak it under their thing and it's hard because you can't really like if you're directing get away. you need to be there it's yes. hard to get away but that particular time the green zone was literally like I could see the village from the green zone right? yeah um but she was like, she was like, I'm giving you a gold star. And I was like, you know, uh, positive reinforcement. But yeah, it's a tough <laughs> job for them for sure.
Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was so lovely talking to you. Likewise. This is fun. This is good. It's very therapeutic. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, Madonna, if people are looking to find you, is there anything, like, any social media or any, like, page or something? I do have Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's called at Scripty Dance. I used to be a script supervisor and a dancer, so at Scripty Dance. Um... I'm working on some other things, but really it's my Instagram. And I'm terrible at like posting. I don't post regularly enough. And yeah. this is a struggle as well because I have friends who are like, you know, you need to decide on your brand because your Instagram is like some film stuff and some dance stuff. And it's like, you know what? My brand is me. I used to be a also ballerina like, and now I'm directing. Yeah. So you're going to get. Can we not make everything a fucking brand? Can I just I exist know. in personal space? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it sort of was like when I was told that I kind of like sort of not stopped posting but was like suddenly really like I went to vote you like second guess everything second guess you're absolutely like, everything you're like, but is this on brand what is my brand is it, and you're like I don't know it's been eight months I haven't posted anything at this point <laughs> exactly and I had posted I was like I took a picture of like at Elections Canada of like the little circle and I put my feet and I took a picture and I was like oh I should post this you know because everybody should go vote you yeah. know yeah. I didn't yeah right you know because I was like well, stressed about it really yeah I didn't, like <laughs> Suddenly think overthinking things and yeah. so what's yeah. my caption? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is this funny enough? Yeah. So at Scripty Dance on Instagram and I'll try mm-hmm. and be better and like post some stuff. Because when I do post stuff, I do get like sort of positive stuff. You know, I'm on Facebook too, but Facebook is more uh Yeah. I keep in touch with my dancer friends on Facebook. Yeah. Like I sort of reconnected with old classmates and stuff yeah. recently. Uh but yeah, no, Instagram at the moment. I have a cool. Twitter feed, but I never Okay. Tweet. Terrible. I'm such a Luddite, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Season five. Yeah. Welcome back, y'all. If you liked what you heard, go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go see all, go find our brand. (laughs) All over social media. I'm sure it's pink and I'm sure it's fabulous. So see you all soon. See you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.